Blog Talk Radio. humanity, human beings, human love, on a spiritual tip, so vast, so great, the African embrace, live beyond love beyond your skin to where you belong Oh, 
black bitch shit man wala bitch bulao ak nu mana deme nako dero ci daw te gu ci ta bojur boro apiao jangal bi tade po original nigga ni mi sen e gal bo bo le ni ko wata pe kan te keep down wala nan de te aw sala bo gatal gel tu tan ni rap ni ne ni daw la ban ni sa pak ni pak mana law da pa jot ni jot aw keep up sound is keep up sound is you be proud
Brother Africa, <clears throat> thanks for having me. My name is Haki Kamathi Mishoki. Currently, I'm with African Awareness and, of course, you know Brother Africa. <clears throat> My thing is all about institution building. But one of the reasons why institution building is so critical in the society is that when we look at it in terms of the development of capitalism, very, very clearly, it has a great uh, indifference toward human life. Uh, this, this facet of, uh, uh, of capitalism threatens, threatens, threatens us all. It's important we understand that. And in saying that, I think it's important we have a more, a more intimate look in terms of the mechanisms uh, of capitalism in terms of how capitalism actually works. So I thought I'd write this a little bit in terms of trying to provide some clarity in terms of the inner workings of capitalism because people clearly have to understand uh, in, in, in terms of where we are at this point in history in terms of you know, capitalism's development. And uh, clearly, uh, it doesn't bode well for humanity. So we got to understand that uh, concretely. But in event, Brother Africa, check this out. Now, implicit in capitalism lies a zero-sum game in which the wealthiest odds of economic success is greatly amplified to the exclusion of the majority. Strategies employed by capitalism usually involves conditioning poor people <coughs> to accept inequality. Other more sophisticated strategies involve the mechanisms of capitalism that conceals its inner workings. Chief among these strategies is financialization or globalism. Both concepts obscure the reality systematic flow of capital to the wealthy is encoded in financial institutions that ensures capital is available to the wealthy regardless of the state of the economy. A couple of examples are these savings and loan scandals back in 1986 and the subprime debacle back in 2008. Now, the transfer of wealth to the capitalist class is achieved by the availability of credit, leverage, and liquidity. These financial instruments are made available by, by banks, specifically central banks, whose role is to serve as lender of last resort as a way to manage capitalism instability. Now, capitalism is notorious for up and down cycles every six to ten years. Without central banks' intervention, monies desired by the wealthy would not be available, and capitalism would cannibalize itself. Now, hiding the precarious nature of capitalism from the masses is key to its longevity. In providing free money to the wealthy, the inevitable outcome is greater debt for the nation. Creation of debt is concealed by conflating debt with growth. For example, corporate debt, debt currently exceeds $23 trillion, and with it, declining consumerism, the stock market, and volatility. In, in lieu of Federal Reserve interest rate increases and rising unemployment, the economy or GDP is headed the wrong way. Clearly, economic, clearly economic indicators indicate under these circumstances, economic growth is extremely constricted, but yet some pundits allege the U.S. economy is competitive. By evoking competitiveness, the question of growth is evaded, thereby leaving the impression U.S. economy is actually growing. Ironically, other pundits take a position a declining economy is good for breaking down inflation. In other words, hardships imposed upon work, poor people is good for the economy. But the same vitriolic speech directed at the poor continues to maintain more free money to the wealthy. It's good for the economy, except it is not. Now, the war directed by capitalism against the majority manifests in a myriad of ways. From economic policy that view the poor as irrelevant to government transfer payments that under-evaluate inflation or utilization of antiquated budget guidelines, the implication working people's lives are not valued as is very clear. Indeed, Federal Reserve plans to raise interest rates 0.75 point percentage points will ex exacerbate unemployment and by relegating millions more to the unemployment lines. 
While expanding unemployment, tax codes designed to enrich the wealthy with capital gains exemptions in which taxes not paid on assets or tax rates of 15 to 20% on capital gains compared to 35% for top-wage earners making over $230,000 a year severely handicaps government's efforts to raise revenues that it needs. Superimposing corporate buybacks of their own stocks, the dividends paid out must come from somewhere. This gentleman known corporate profitability heavily relies on government expenditures. If this socialism benefited the masses of people, then such arrangement would be applauded, but it does not. Government policy designed to enrich a small cobble of wealthy individuals seems blatantly unfair. This small group prosper handsomely, but <clears throat> since we the people theoretically are the government, it is our wealth that is transferred to the rich, <clears throat> but the question becomes how is that done? Government employs ingenious ways to transfer wealth to the wealthy. Two examples come to mind. The first involves systematic theft of insurance policies geared toward specifically to guard against uncertainty in the labor market. Specifically, I am referring to unemployment insurance. Central Foundation revealed just 26% of U.S. workers received unemployment benefits in 2022, a decline of 76% from 2021. The report further concluded unemployment payments in 2022 were just $347.22 average weekly, constituting just 39% of wages earned while the individual was actually employed. A year earlier, payouts average a year earlier, payouts average $884.43 weekly. It is worth noting, systematic theft of wages by employers accounts for $3.24 billion over a four-year period, according to the Department of Labor. None of these ill-gotten gains are used for the betterment of society. Instead, these stolen monies are used to subsidize CEO pay or disperse as dividends payments to, to stockholders. The second example of systematic theft entails more broadly the innate criminality of government structures and the ease malfeasance is condoned. According to the Project on Government Oversight, Trump's Small Business Administration, which oversaw the Payback Protection Program Plan, or the PPP, disregarded 2.7 million cases of fraud warnings concerning PPP, PPP payments. By law stipulated, corporations could not, could not participate in the program but despite the stipulation, hundreds of corporations fraudulently participated in this program, bringing in $189 billion in payments, $189 billion in payments. Billionaires, including Kanye West, also fraudulently received funds. The fraud was so rampant, only between 20 to 30 percent of PPP payments went to saving workers' jobs. This according to the National Bureau of Economic Research. It was estimated between 66 to 77% of PPP payments went to business owners and shareholders, not workers. Despite recognition the wealthy engaged in documented crime, these crimes were overlooked while lower-level offenders have been sentenced or waiting sentencing on lower-level fraud, the same fraud committed by the wealthy on the grander scale. Now, understand why Kanye West hugged Trump in over office. Clearly, he understands the benefits in terms of having someone like Trump, Trump in office. Now, the biggest death is yet to come. Leading Republicans have been salivating about ending Social Security and Medicare. Using a budget ceiling to justify cuts to Social Security, winning the trust fund insolvent, the plan is to eliminate social programs paid into by workers toward their retirement. Despite the fact an estimated 37.2 million people in poverty receive Social Security, the need is much greater. Many impoverished families are excluded from financial assistance 
and eliminating social programs will only compound poverty. Republicans are proposing more of the same. They're talking about a privatized system in which the multitude will suffer while a small group benefits. In hindsight, Brother Africa, you've got to conclude this is precisely the way capitalism is supposed to work. So when people say capitalism is not working well, no, no, it's working quite well, and it's designed to work that way, and we have to clearly understand this reality. And I close with that. Thank you, Brother Haki. Capitalism is for those who have capital. If you don't have no capital, you are not considered. So don't you forget that lesson. Thank you again, Brother Haki. Right now, we're going to move on forward. We're going to bring in our brother, Anthony Williams. You'd like to welcome him back. He's an organizer for the All African Peoples. Revolutionary Party GC, Brother Anthony, welcome to Africa on the Moon. Thanks for having me, Brother Africa. Revolutionary greetings to you, uh, the fellow panelists, and the list and the uh, listening audience. My name is Anthony Williams. I'm an organizer for the All African People's Revolutionary Party (GC). Objective is Pan-Africanism the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. Thank you, Brother Anthony. And finally, Brother Anthony, for the D.C. Metro Coalition in defense of the Cuban Revolution, we have with us our next two panelists. The first one we call Brother Moses and welcome him to Africa on the Move. Welcome, Brother Moses. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Brother Africa, and greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice, especially the illustrious panelists. My name is Robert Andrew Moses, and I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism during the government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there's one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that Mao Zedong is his messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. We don't reverse correct verdicts. I'm pro-choice, and I vote. I bear witness that women hold up half the sky, and that I am for the ERA, yes, Equal Rights Amendment. And we don't reverse correct verdicts. It's good to be on the show, and uh, I... Look forward to enlightening discussions. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. And following Brother Moses, we are bringing our sister Eleanor. Sister Eleanor, welcome to Africa on the Move. Thank you so much, Brother Africa. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, fellow panelists, and to our listening audience in the United States and abroad. Uh, Thank you so much for allowing me to participate in this show. I'm sure it'll be another enlightening show this evening. I am an artist, an environmentalist, and um, an educator. And uh, 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 one of my greatest joys is the uh, learning and the information that's gathered from Africa on the Move. So thank you so much. And we have to stand strong for Mother Earth and the family. And as uh, I heard someone say about hip-hop with a capital H, 
H-I-P hyphen and a capital H-O-P. It's a cultural phenomena about love, organization, rising up, and and unity. And uh, that's what it's about. You know, that that's what it's about. The people have to organize and be united, um, forming uh, new political parties. We saw what happened to the Republican Party. We've seen parties develop. It's now time for the working class to organize a political party so that we can end the environmental crises, childhood poverty, the abuse of women and children in our society, and the human trafficking and all the atrocities that go along with uh, U.S. culture. We have a culture where people are designed to work full-time hard as 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 slaves, but harder, where they're dependent on food stamps and housing subsidies and energy subsidies and not having to be able to own a home or uh, participate in the quote-unquote American dream. So, again, thank you for allowing me to participate in this evening's show. Thank you, and good evening. Anytime, Sister Eleanor, good evening to you. To our listening audience, this is Africa on the Move. I'm Brother Africa. What we're going to do right now, we're going to pause for the cause. We're going to take a revolutionary culture break. And when we come back, we're going to deal with our first segment of this program, what's going on in your world and the community. Like always, you can participate and share with us what's going on in your world and the community by dialing 323 0841 and hit one. We acknowledge the last four numbers. If you'd like to be a special guest on this program, we deal you work with any movements or any political parties that are trying to make humanity better, we welcome you. You can do that by emailing us at Africa on the Move Two at Gmail dot com. Again, for those who haven't got on board yet, we just want to remind you that we will be working with the African World Association as they take their and your free ride trip to Cuba from Jan- January 23rd to 30th. If you have not gone on board, so it's time to make that move right now. Do so by going to that email. Email them if you have an interest at African Awareness Association 2 at gmail.com. We'll talk a little more later on the program about the trip. But meanwhile, we're going to, again, take a rubber stir culture break, and when we come back, we want to know what's going on in your world and the community. This is Africa on the Move. When I drop the mic, it hit the floor like Thor. That's right. You can't pick it up no more. Don't even try. Y'all know what it is. Y'all know what it was. Y'all know what it shall be. Get smart for the shit start. Before it get dark, before they hit you with the pitchfork, better crip walk, crip this walk. Is real talk, smoke push and push, then we peel off, niggas still running with the wheels off, always looking out for the crisscross, 
I'm a bigger boss than Rick Ross. Always winning, nigga get lost. It's the warlord, bring the voodoo. When I bail through, it's crazy like Bellevue. What they tell you, leave that boy alone, like home alone. Fuck a stolen bomb, arrest the president. You got the evidence, that nigga is Russian intelligence. When it rains, it pours. Did you know the new pipe was orange? Boy, you're showing your horns. They trying to replace my halo with thorns. You so basic with your bait sticks. Let's go ape shit in the matrix. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. I took back my eyes and all black tonight. That's right, some niggas gotta sacrifice. Not a criminal. No, I'm a seminal. Yeah. I was free once. Now I'm clinical. You so technical. This was Mexico. Now everywhere I go is owned by Mexico. Fuck them. Fuck them and the rest of you. Yeah. I turn a fool to a best I'm a roll with the aliens. Man, fuck these homo sapiens. They don't really want to make friends. All they want is a Mercedes Benz. All they want is they dividends and decibels. Fuck these citizens. They'll treat us like hooligans. Throw him in. They don't care what school he in. These people don't play fair. It ain't even fair at the state fair. Give a young nigga gray hair. That's why I'm here. Make your ass lay there. You better stay there. Close your fucking eyes like a daycare. Make myself clearer than Shakespeare. I'm here to take money, even fake hair. So desperate is what I'm left with. For the record, you affected. Who you elected is so septic. So full of shit, I can't accept it. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. I reside on the west side. I murder with my third eye. Nigga so fly, get a bird's eye. I make him scream bloody murder. Let's meet at the White House. Run in and turn the lights out. Man, they treat it like a trap house. These motherfuckers never take the trash out. They just cash out and mash out. Nigga, take your drugs and pass out. Niggas love to go that fast route. I see you when your black ass get out. Homie, you play too much. Why these devils, they doing way too much. Most of them won't say too much. Why they steady planning? God knows what. That's why I roll with the real ones. Real ones, trying to reach millions. Real ones, trying to make billions. Real ones, dressed like civilians. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Black man, black man. 
go on and get a catch scan. I had chain wrapped too straight, too tight. We get a backhand, there ain't no Batman in this black land. I wish a rich nigga would come and save the day and pave the way. Ain't no amazing grace. I blaze the haze to remain the faith. Twenty years with my medicine, but they wanna throw me away for that. Then turn around and legalize it. I wish being black was truly accepted. Four hundred year elephant in the room. This ain't a new deal. They've been treating us like animals. We in a zoo still. So let me tell you how I feel. Guilty conscience trumps common sense every day, y'all. Ignore the issues, look at the victim like it's their fault. As if a wagon ain't harassing, waiting for jaywalkers in front of the building, minding your business. You was trying to pay your bills as if that wasn't to mention. Conjunction, junction, tell me what's your intention. Don't call them king, then treat them like some common folk. You a fighter like Ronda Rose. Rousey move around the rope. Drowsy with a cloud of smoke. How do you do for Maui, bro? Traveling around the globe, you didn't know, but now you know. Early morning risings, my end of a long kick in. Birdman hand rubs, feeling my palms itching. I need a spiritual thought with top that's top notch. We watch black power docs and study our chakras. Oh, child, don't you ever come, come down. You acting like the sun ain't out. And we gon' cop a ticket and fly on out of here, fly on out. Oh, child, don't you ever come, come down. You acting like the sun ain't out. Oh dear black man, tell me what happened You can't be low when your glow's everlasting Then when your ass been on ass been like a has been Raising the trap when the guard talk math and moves with a Mac 10 Not that nigga back then, but look now nigga I'm established, cut camera action I cut lines with my sad card, my bitch is packing Then I'm cutting in line with a bad boy, they caught him flagging Then huddle around him with a stat chart look You say I wake up feeling better than I ever been Check out my melanin, it's now the makeup for the mannequin That wants to be the same as the slave on the sedative You kill culture, I give knowledge, I spit stylish Crane kicks and Balenciagas and speaking science And bodegas that grow flavors was taught language Was taught to talk with the razor from having Spanish neighbors I fought the haters, court cases and lost paper Educated killers walking no ladies cross the street Turn back around, walk across and sell hard to a fee No turning back now, rent you and your kids gotta eat yeah. Black man rooted deep with the blood of a king Yeah, Black man roses arose from the cold concrete I eat, walk, talk, gritty Snitches get buck fifty one slice buck fifty, both get cut quickly Until they free Goldie, nobody can fuck Talk with about Oh, child, don't you ever come, come down You actin' like the sun ain't out So we gon' cop a ticket and fly on out And fly on out Oh, child, don't you ever come, come down You actin' like the sun ain't out Black became beautiful, then made America great again. See the page of history or see the grave and hate again. I'm from New York, the last state to free the slaves, and now we getting to the point where they rebooting Martin Payne and them. Black man, switch it up, just to be versatile. Why you always mean mugging? Man, it never hurts to smile. Make a record, break a record, get the record straight. I'm just trying to get it going, I'm trying to accelerate. Life alert. Welcome to my world, live and living color, stay low, word to J-Lo, out here with my fly girl, black man, 
black man They give you whack answers They robbing you with Batman They give you Black Panther When all our people dying They think that we need a movie But the box office don't break off The descendants of Huey Think about it I'm cooler than a Coca-Cola polar bear Hold up, roll up something potent Right before we go in there Maroon Customs support that shit that touches the streets Puffing a leaf on a corner that gave me nothing but grief Don't come around my way if your whole message is how much you got If you ain't got no fucking shots then don't touch the fucking rock Lucy still 50 cent, cool what kind of blunts you got You can lock a few niggas for hustling but nothing stops The judge just make the hero and a young black boy lose their fucking pops And go on a robbing spree like fuck the ops Phone out of battery, black mirror, where the Windex King of the table of contents, human index I handle everything myself, the one-man quintet. Let's take it where it hasn't been yet. Dear black man. Worth life. One take. Fuck you. Back to Africa on the Moon on the 27th day of November, 2022. On this particular day, we'd like to remind you of the historical scientific fact that wherever there is oppression, there will be resistance. On In the year 1981, on this day, 1,300 African workers uh, went on strike against BMW in Azania, South Africa. Just a little tidbit of some aspect of your history, a continuation of resistance, of resistance against the oppression that we face on a daily basis. Again, welcome back from our rubbish Scare Culture Break. And at this point in time, we're going to our first segment. What's going on in your world and the community? We encourage and invite all of our listeners, supporters, and folks who have something to say. And we'd like to inform the world on what's going on in that world to Tune in every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. and call into Africa and Move and share with us what's going on in your world, in your world, in the community. Remember, what information we can't think and what organization we think clearly. We can't think clearly. So we want to have those two tools that we must use in order to advance our people and make it better humanity for all mankind. So right now, let's get started with this segment. What's going on in your world? And the community, and right now, Brother brother Haki, we can come back to you. You can meet us all, talk to us. What's going on in your world and the community? Well, Brother, you know, um, one of the very interesting things about, you know, wage and struggle is that, you know, there is a sort of paradox that exists among oppressed nationalities, uh, in particular when we talk about the African community. It's very, very interesting in terms of people who are committed to the debasement of their people uh, for in search of power. So there's a paradox of sort that exists where actually a lot of these people who proclaim to be religious constantly struggle between uh, achieving power and respecting laws of creation. So it's a very interesting paradox. But anyway, there is a particular sheriff in Mississippi who's a very, very interesting character. And so he typically would have to, what, I, what Dave Chappelle would define as the black-white supremacist. So in that theme, I you know I thought I would write a little bit in terms of you know my my views in terms of this particular sheriff, I mean excuse me, uh, the particular uh, <clears throat> chief 
uh, in uh, Mississippi. It's a very, very interesting case. Many anyway, of Brother Africa, check this out. Now, Dave Chappelle's sketch on the black-white supremacist is the perfect example of art imitating life. The black-white supremacist, like his counterpart, the white supremacist, takes a position any inequality in society is a specious argument unless the inequality affects rich white people. Both take the view any inequality in society must not be addressed, and in denying its existence, inequality would simply disappear. One such black-white supremacist, Police Chief Kenneth Collins of Brookhaven, Mississippi, insists the racial violence occurring in Brookhaven in no fashion symptomatic of racial violence in Mississippi or throughout the country. As a self-proclaimed warrior of God, he insists, as an anointed, anointed one, he is uniquely qualified to determine any racial transgressions and any other analysis that dare critique racism must be confronted, even if that means physically confronting those that disturb the peace with unfounded allegations of racism. Unfortunately, in, in Collins' world, no incident is indicative of racism, no matter how dire. This past January, a white father and son shot at a FedEx driver delivering packages. The driver, 24-year-old DeMontario Gibson, was accosted by a white male holding a gun pointed directly at Gibson. Taking evasive action to avoid being shot, when he executed maneuvers safely, shots rang out, striking the working van. The two white males after the shot pursued Gibson through the town, forcing him to abandon delivering his packages. Gibson informed his employer, and police were notified in January of 2022. Apparently, the police chief of Brookhaven, whose assistant chief is related to the shooters, was ambivalent about arresting the suspects. Only after state and federal officials inquiring into the incident were the suspects charged 11 months later. It was alleged by Chief Collins, and now it was alleged by Chief Collins, the Black Lives Matter organizer referred to Chief Collins as Sambo. Collins' anger over being disparaged resulted in Collins attending a rally outside his jurisdiction to physically engage the Black Lives Matter organizer, Michael Bridges, who was in town to highlight racial violence, not police brutality. Chief Collins was caught off tape saying, quote, I thought about fucking up the organizer. I ain't scared of these motherfuckers, end quote. And this was conveyed to a sheriff operating inside his jurisdiction where the event took place. Collins concluded by saying to the sheriff, quote, I love you, but I brought Jesus with me, end quote. Implication of the statement, law is secondary to his religion, and if assaulting Black Lives Matter organizer would shut him up, then all praises to God. It is interesting how black white supremacists often evoke God when contemplating or engaging on in usurping the rights of the poor or the defenseless, but God is often absent in the face of institutional abuse, or in this case, racial violence and its implications for oppressed nationalities. Failure to address incidences of, of this magnitude only reinforces similar actions. It was not long ago Ahmed Ahmad Aubrey lost his life under similar circumstances. In fact, four days after the arrest of the two men in Brookhaven, Mississippi, two African female employees therein were fired upon. Despite identifying themselves as employees of FedEx, the woman brandishing the weapon <coughs> kept the train at employees in, in Summit, Mississippi. Oddly enough, the suspect in the shooting alleged she shot in the ground to discourage her dogs from attacking the two women. No arrests have been made at this point. Now, Chief Collins' allegiance to a system predicated on the oppression of the poor, specifically African people, is based on <clears throat> an excuse me, based upon excuse me, based upon an erroneous notion of a fair society, or perhaps a perception which says African people problems in society are of their own doing, and as a consequence, deserving of abuse. 
irrespective of the form of oppression it takes. For Ross, the statement is supported by Chief Collins' behavior towards subordinates in this department and his willingness to criminalize Black Lives Matters utilizing extrajudicial or illegal means to achieve an end. Chief Collins instructed a female detective to arbitrarily arrest every perceived Black Lives Matter protester at the event. Perceived is a very loaded term. Black Lives Matter supporters would not have a specific look, unless he's alluding to arresting Africans illegally. Meaning of perceived, so to speak, would, would lack any concrete meaning. Fortunately, the detective declined respecting the protesters' First Amendment rights. Chief Collins' behavior, according to the neuroscientist Dr. Lisa Barrett, is indicative of allostasis, in which the body responds to stress and to manage the stress in a way to manage anticipated needs and satisfy needs before they arise. Stated another way, Collins' realization <clears throat> that his self-esteem <clears throat> is tied up with the society's definition of success, he conforms not just in terms of the value system, but behavior as well. Collins, the black man, contempt for African people demonstrates a commitment to norms and customs of the state, but in the process, disassociate himself from those whose existence in the U.S. are problematic. Collins' contempt for those protesting racial violence did not end with attempts to coerce the first female detective to engage in illegal actions. A second female detective was approached. The detective conferred with her pastor, <coughs> with her pastor, and declined to violate the First Amendment right protections for the for the uh, for the protesters. Collins found out about the meeting and proceeded to have the detective fire for insubordination. His attempt was overturned by a governing body, compelling Collins to use more conspicuous methods to force the detective out. He first demoted the detective Latoya Beecham, then then locked investigative files to ensure she could not perform investigative duties. Detective Beecham could not endure the harassment and resigned. A suit is currently pending. Now, the black white supremacists like Collins' inability to empathize with others is a peculiar trait. Placing these detectives in a precarious state by jeopardizing their careers and reputations did not seem to bother Chief Collins. All that matters for him was the perception he aligns himself with power, and his, and his practice repeatedly shows his, he supports the system a tendency to disperse ill treatment towards society's perceived enemies, who are also have to be his perceived enemies as well. His inability to relate to those suffering inequality, indeed expressing that indignation, is indicative of power dynamics. Even though he does not have the power of capitalist elites, he does have power, sanctioned by the state over people, over over over, over poor people, African people, and all others opposed to systematic inequality in the U.S. Dr. Shubinda Opie, social neuroscientist, was quite succinct in stating. Powerful people, those receiving having power, behave if, as if they have power. The flip side is those who don't have power act as if they don't have power. Those acting from the base of perceived power are willing to employ ruthlessness toward the perceived powerless. For the black-white supremacists, the day-to-day struggles of African people is of no consequence or no concern. In, the, in, in their minds, pursuit of perceived power or acceptance by the powerful is all that matters. Creation or God's law will always take second place. Interestingly enough, when you think about it, the, the fact that <coughs> um, these interests, uh, these, these interests or these so-called religious beliefs can, can somehow inform justified inequality is something that um, these, these black white supremacists have yet to rectify. And it's a very interesting paradox. And I'll close with that, Brother Africa. Thank you, Brother Haki. Next, we'll go to Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, what's going on in your world and the community? Okay. 
Uh, it seems as if uh, the more the resources of the earth become scarce, the level of violence uh, in uh, in uh, neo-colonial and capitalist society tends to increase, particularly inside the U.S. Over over the uh, uh, the last uh, week, there have been at least two mass shootings uh, in, um, no, I take that back, three. Uh, let's see, one at the University of Idaho and another at the University of Virginia. Uh, different sets of circumstances, but they were both mass shootings. And uh, they're an indication of how easy it is to get firearms inside the U.S., particularly uh, firearms that are designed to kill human beings. And uh, let's see, and also it seems as if uh, people are increasingly indifferent uh, to the level of violence that takes takes place in these societies. Also, I want to add that uh, Britain is considering invading Ghana in order to uh to ensure uh neocolonial uh control of that particular country. Uh that's it for what's going on in my world and community for this week. Thank you, Brother Anthony. So Brother Anthony we're gonna now go to Brother Moses. Brother Moses, what's going on in your world and the community? Thank you, thank you, Brother Africa. Um, I, I've been reading, um, boning up on the latest theory and um, revelations uh, in terms of socialist thought uh, and the socialist reconstruction. This book put out by the Party for Socialism and Liberation. Uh, uh, it's uh, a better future for the United States is what it's supposed to be about. And um so I've been reading up on that. Um that's 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 um positive um um one one thing they point out in here is without the emergency intervention of the of the United States government, the the two thousand eight financial meltdown would have wiped out the US capitalist establishment. Uh, it shows the importance of politics determining economics um, but like um, this week been going on I don't know it seems like nothing stands out as, as extraordinary Um I'll just pass no on problem, to the next brother. person. Thank you. Thank you. 
Yeah, we'll stop right there and we'll come back later on if something comes to your mind. But in the meantime, let's keep rolling down the road of liberation. We're going to bring in our sister Eleanor. Sister Eleanor, what's going on in your world in the community? Good evening, Brother Africa. Can you hear me? Yes, my sister. Yes, we can. Um, yes, good evening. Um, uh, as you know, the uh, D.C. Coalition had a um, car caravan last Friday, and it was well attended. We had uh, six cars, and we were letting the people know about the uh, uh, Cuban uh, embargo and the 60th anniversary and the need to lift the embargo, the U.S. embargo against Cuba and how it goes much further than the U.S. because nations that do business in the U.S. and are incorporated in the U.S. are also prohibited from doing business with Cuba. In addition, um, the concern is the U.S. proxy war against Russia through the Ukraine and the uh, fight against imperialism and uh, the need to dismantle NATO immediately. We saw the bombing of, of Poland. This is bringing the world closer to nuclear war. Russia is not the problem. The U.S. and the United Kingdom seem to be the problem, a proxy war. We killed tens of thousands of Russians. The U.S. killed tens, helped the Ukraine kill tens of thousands of Russians at the beginning of the war with their anti-tank and anti-aircraft militias. Um, and they continue to oppress the people in the Dumbach region and struggle to separate Russia from access to its navy along the Black Sea. It's terrorized Russian citizens who usually vacation along the Black Sea and had been going through Dumbach and other regions to reach there with no problem to leave and evacuate because of recent bombings. You know, some months ago, some months ago, a billion-dollar ship was uh, destroyed, a Russian ship, and at first no one took credit for it, but later the Ukrainians did. And we must fight fascism and this neo-Nazi movement that had developed in 2014 in the state of Georgia and that we understand also is being supported in the Ukraine. We must dismantle NATO as environmentalists, as human rights activists, as Marxist-Leninists, as working people. We must stand for the human rights of others and not allow ourselves to be bullied by this right-wing propaganda. So um, I was reading uh, works by a young man, uh, last name Agee, and his father many years ago denounced the CIA. And I noticed when he denounced his work for the CIA, he was a foreigner, and the fact that they destabilize governments, buy elections, and do all these things, 
he was expelled from six European countries. So we need to pay attention. We need to face the reality that when Ronald Reagan changed the direction of the United States and news reporting, that this became a new propaganda age. Now with social media, it puts all at risk. You see the impact it's had domestically on um, violence. Mass shootings are just a way of life in the United States. People and scholars are beginning to suggest that we deal with these mass shootings as we did with the seatbelt issue because it's such a common issue. So I'm going to stand strong with my uh, descendants of uh, 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 of African-Americans, us Africans in America and around the world, and we need to stand solid in the support of the dismantling of the NATO forces. The Soviet Union has been dissolved since 1991. There is no need for NATO. There is no need to weaponize Europe at this time. Thank you. That's what's been Thank going you, on in my world. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. We next go to our caller. Our caller, what's going on in our world community? We're going to bring in our caller. Your last four numbers are 6002. 6002. Welcome to Africa on the Move. What's going on in your world community? Caller 6002. The mic is yours. Yes, sir. Uh, my name is Josh. I'm from the Midwest. I come from a uh, Irish Scottish uh, lineage, and I'm telling you right now, the necessity of NATO was very important post World War II because it was a coalition of nations trying to protect the European nations and well nations abroad, like generally, from uh, the incurring threat of a Soviet Union attack. And when mm-hmm. I just heard that, literally the country that was the Soviet Union that lost so much territory trying to reclaim territory with their incursion, Crane, no, I don't think we need to disband NATO. I think that it's very sad that NATO participants haven't paid their fair share, but I think that NATO is necessary to a certain degree so that Russia cannot dominate Europe. Does okay, anybody Carl, have anything that, to say on that? Uh, what we're going to do, Carl, we're going to take a commercial, we're going to take a station break, and when we come back, our panelists going to entertain your position. So you stay put, and we'll be right back. This is Africa on the Move.
Texas, down in Angola, equal rights. And justice, down in Botswana, equal rights. And justice, down in Zimbabwe, equal
We don't know who set the world on fire, but I know damn sure Africa and Africans will do their best to help put it out. That will be one of our many contributions to humanity. Welcome back to Africa on the Move. I'm Brother Africa. This is Africa on the Move. You can hear this program every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, U.S. We're in the seat. We're going to take the heat. As we define it, we're going to stand behind it. We may not give you what you want, but we're definitely going to give you what you need. Right now, we're dealing with our segment, What's Going On in Your World and the Community. And before we took our, um, our station break, there's a young man who is online who raised the question of, we need NATO. NATO is important. NATO is to uh, make sure that um, I guess he's pushing to protect U.S. interests and what have you. So what we're going to do right now, we're going to have a little dialogue on this premise of is NATO good for the world? Is it good for people in America? And what we're going to do is for our panelists, I'm going to ask each one of y'all to take about two minutes to respond to that position question. Again, my caller who just called in and raised the question, we'll have you to have a response. So that's the way we're going to roll with it at this point in time. So, Sister Eleanor, you raised the issue earlier about there are no longer need, need there are no longer seem to be a need for a NATO to disband NATO. Um, support your position, and the mic is yours. Well, the purpose of NATO, uh, Brother Africa, was um, something that occurred um, uh, in the. Um, early 20th, uh, mid-20th century, um, after um, the Nazi and fascist expansion of Europe, finally when the Nazis were invading Great Britain, uh, the U.S., Russia, the U.S., the former Soviet Union, and Great Britain formed a pact to combat the fascists. The Russians gave a tremendous number, millions of lives, fighting Nazism. And at the turn, after the close of the war, the U.S. established the NATO to protect, as our caller said, to protect uh, Europe from, uh, quote, Marxist uh, communist expansion, uh, worker rule, worker control of the economies in their individual nations to combat socialism and later, I guess, to combat uh, Marxism. But as we know and we've seen in our lifetime, whether it's uh, Salvador Allende in South America or whether it's uh, Guatemala, um, we saw uh, President Biden um, issue sanctions against Russia, Venezuela, Cuba, and I believe Nicaragua. Nicaragua had a democratic election. Uh, Venezuela has a, a, a democratic government, and apparently we're opposed to those types of governments. But the point is NATO was designed to combat the Soviet Union. In 1991, when the Soviet Union dissolved, Russia had no aggressive military campaign 
to ask the nations that were bound together in 1917 to form the Soviet Union. There were none, whether Lithuania, Latvia, all of these places became independent nations. Now, the Ukraine uh, is an ethnic uh, group uh, that are part of Russia. I guess the way Texas is a part of the United States or Alaska or California. And uh, however, and we are a republic, and technically Texas can retrocede and become five states, you know. But the reality is, is that the U.S., and we saw Blinken on, for example, the Colbert Show, talking about how we've been trying to train the Ukrainians since 1993 to uh, 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 both militarily and otherwise. So, you know, we saw what happened on November 19th, not only in the United States, but around the world. People got together talking about dismantling NATO and trying to end the war in the Ukraine. They want to end the expansion of NATO. Uh, With the recent bombing of Poland, the serious threat of nuclear war looms large around the globe, and U.S. imperialism continues to wage its own proxy war in Ukraine against Russia. Russia does want to have, be paid in, in rubles, not in euros. Russia had had stable relations with Germany and other countries as we face global warming. So we now want to end all of this. We want to see this 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 turned around, but really it's not the time right now. We see that the U.S. is, uh, um, as it does what it does, as um, Brother Anthony mentioned, Ghana. We just saw that the new city of joy in the Republic of the Congo, where uh, women, 1,800 persons who suffered during the atrocity in the Congo right now, are reuniting. We see that women around the world are standing up and uh, against global warming, women and children. There's a movement, one million women strong. Every woman in the world will be raped or, uh, or beaten okay, in so one and four you in her life. Let me, let me finish real quick, Brother Africa. The point is, is that we have to fight social imperialism. NATO was designed to protect the world against a nation that does not exist. Ergo, NATO is obsolete. And military expansionism is not the way to go. We need to create peace and environmental justice for women, children, Africans, and minorities and indigenous people around the world and stand up for workers' rights. Thank you. Thank you, Suzanne Noah. Brother Haki, your position on NATO. Should we should there be a NATO? Should it be disbanded? What is your response to that? Issue? Well I, I think 
I, I, I think the brother's assumption that NATO serves a, a purpose, I think, is somewhat misplaced. I think one thing to understand is, and, was, and you know, just to pick it back on what Sister Eleanor was saying, is that one of the things we we have to understand that you know, you know, after World War Two, you know, uh, one one of the first things the U.S. did under the direction of Alice Dulles, uh, one of the first thing they did was to to initiate a covert operation against Russia. And the question is, why would they initiate a covert operation against Russia? Well, their position was very very clear. In order for the United States to be the dominant power then Russia had to go because Russia ideas represented an existential threat to the interests of the United States. But here is the problem in terms of that existential threat. If you recall in history, both Gorbachev and Yeltsin signed an agreement with the United States in which essentially they agreed on the glass notes and perestroika to actually end you know, the, communist, the communism as we understand it. And so the bureaucracy that existed, you know, uh, prior to that agreement was simply changed. So they adopted a, a market economy. So essentially what we're saying is the same bureaucracy that exists in America exists in Russia. So ideologically, philosophically, they were, they're, they're, they're both they're operating the same in terms of, you know, how government is organized. So the, so the threat that we're talking about is something that doesn't really, doesn't really exist. But aside from that, I think one thing we have to understand is also – that, you know, there is a lot of criticism in terms of NATO from, from, from member states. Hungary and Turkey are being adamant, they're adamantly opposed to the expansion of NATO. And, they, they, and, and not only that, you have countries like France and Germany whose who position is that, you know, the U.S. use of NATO undermines European interests. And so clearly even European countries understand that NATO's expansion is not in their interest. So we talk about the large funding that the United States have to provide for NATO funding, these companies are strapped for resources, and so therefore they don't have the funds in terms of keep, you know, putting money into, you know, into essentially a force which serves no, no, no real interest in terms of, you know, revitalizing the European economy. So clearly, you know, the expansion of NATO does more harm than good. In fact, you know, as I said before, this threat in terms of, you know, uh, 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 to the world that Russia supposedly uh, uh, exists. We remember back in '91, uh, uh, the Soviet Union was was disbanded. It's, it's no longer the Soviet Union. It's Russia, so it's not the same thing. So they pretty much play. They pretty much under agreements in terms of you know um, in terms of you know breaking up the Soviet Union and implementing market style economies. So the threat that the brother is talking about doesn't really exist. Uh, I think so. I think we would some sometime we get stuck on this ideological um, uh, 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 this 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 this, uh, this ideological. Um, uh, stand which which we we, we we think in terms historically what has been, but when we look at the, the history in terms of what has unfolded, then this, this consummate threat that the brothers talking about doesn't exist. Therefore, NATO doesn't have to exist. No one needs NATO. Is is costing the world in terms of economics. It's costing the world in terms of ecological. Uh, is 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 generally very bad for the world. And so I call for end to NATO. Not close with that. Okay, thank you, brother Hockey. Brother Anthony, your position. Yes, uh, I agree that uh, that 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 NATO does not serve the original purpose for which it was founded, which was to counter uh, the rise of socialism inside of Europe. That is why it was formed. It was for it was to be the military arm of imperialism. 
Therefore, even though NATO should be disbanded, it will not go away until imperialism worldwide is defeated. And uh, and that is because it was formed in order to counter the Warsaw Pact, which was which consisted of the socialist countries in Europe, including the Soviet Union. And uh, and uh, even though uh, even though the Soviet Union and the social the European Socialist Bloc collapsed over twenty odd years ago, NATO still exists. And that is because it is the military arm of the imperialist countries of the world. And until imperialism is defeated, NATO will not uh go away. Even though, uh, based upon uh, the points that Eleanor and Haki made, it should, but it won't. Thank you, Brother Bannon. And Brother Moses, your thoughts on this issue of NATO, and should it be disbanded? Brother Moses. NATO NATO has served its purpose uh, uh, it has to do with history. It has to do with political thought and uh, the evolution of, of the concepts of freedom and justice and fair play and our understanding of how that takes place in society and the world today. And you know who we, how we see Russia, how we see Cuba, how we see China, how we see Nicaragua, how we see. See uh, how we see even Puerto Rico as a colony of the U.S. today. Uh, our political outlook makes a big difference, uh, uh, and you know, you can't you can't just uh, come to conclusions overnight. You have to study, 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 and uh, and uh, come to an understanding of what is actually happening on the planet. And NATO definitely has no no progressive use at this point in time. Uh, but then, but then you know, the, the Soviet Union, you know, as a threat to the U.S. of A. Uh, uh, that that in itself is a is an issue uh, uh, because you know being a by Marxist-Leninist myself, I'm not opposed to Marxism-Leninism. <laughs> um, uh, so, anyway, I say no to NATO. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. And we'll go back to our caller who raised a question on why NATO should be uh, continue to exist and support it. Caller, you have heard various reasons for their disapproval or disbanding of NATO, and we'll give you a few minutes to make your remarks based upon what you've heard and and what is your position based upon what you've heard so far. Call on the mic is yours. You may speak. I appreciate you, sir. Yeah, no, uh, no, I kind of 
remain as a solid block on that one. There's no way that you're not going to tell me that post-World War II, there was not a necessary claim to maintain the Eastern Bloc to remain neutral. I'm not, I'm not talking about violent. You know, because we we showed what Americans do with violence, but we we had neutrality, and that was way more important. That's the point of NATO is neutrality. And yeah, yeah, we've had it very sweet for so long, and now people are talking about how we should bring Ukraine into this fold. No. I don't know. I don't think that's even possible. I apologize to a lot of people that might find that weird, but no, that's not our people. They're not in the NATO fold at all. I think that NATO was the North Atlantic trade. It's cool. It's the entire coalition of trying to make things work in the North Atlantic, you know. So everybody, I apologize if I sounded a little bit rash in that initial encounter, but please understand, Ukraine has nothing to do with that. NATO is necessary to an extent. I am embarrassed that Americans have allowed them not to pay their bills. How about that? I'll leave it at that. Repeat your last point, Carla. What was your last point just now? I was saying that we have not we have not forced uh, people in NATO to pay their bills as they were supposed to for at least like uh, two decades. It's old. It's an old. It's an old charge. They haven't been okay, paying Okay, Carl, we thank you for your participation and your perspective on NATO. I think our people have been giving a certain amount of information, and we're going to let our listening audience, you know, make up their mind. But we thank you very much, and you're allowed to uh, you know, continue to listen to your program. We thank you. All right, this is Africa on the Moon. We're in the seat. We're going to take the heat. As you define it, we stand behind it. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to have a few more discussions on what's going on in your world community, and then we will proceed to our theme, News You Can Use and More. This is Brother Africa, and this is Africa on the Moon. Chains living in pain, today is the same, and nothing ever changes. Hung by a noose, can't tell the truth, filled with abuse, and everywhere there's danger. How long can this go on? When will the light I see? I know. I must be strong to last 
my journey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you think of the Middle East in this modern time, you can't help but say the word Palestine. People there have lost their land. Some have lost their home. They live in other countries, their freedom almost gone. Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Needs freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love. There seems to be no answer to give us the reason why people cannot live so no one has to die. We've got to take a stand for freedom, take a stand for truth, take a stand for justice. That's what we've got to do, because Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. People of all countries, of every race, and creed we need a new beginning let us plant the seed plant the seed of love and let that love seed grow plant the seed for everyone so all the world will know that palestine Palestine needs her freedom Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom, needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. That's right. Palestine, Palestinian. Our brothers and sisters need their freedom, and so does Africa, African people. Let's unite and fight against imperialism, Zionism, capitalism, and all systems that exploit and oppress human beings. That is the noble task for all just people. We're walking back to Africa on the moon. 
as we took our station break, we said we'll come back and have a couple issues we'll discuss as relates to what's going on in our world community. And this question is for, all, is for the whole panelists and analysts today. And I would like to get just your response to this phenomenon. I think Anthony mentioned earlier about this past week or so in the U.S. There has been over at least three mass murder shootings in this country. Uh, a lot of it has been done by young folks. And the question becomes, what is the foundation? What is the basis? What is the condition that created and caused people to respond in this behavior? Is that more important than just putting the finger on individuals who act in a way that they've been influenced by their upbringing and their surrounding of the system? I'm surprised you don't have more because if you look at how the society is structured, you look at the institution and lessons in terms of which these institutions behave, they behave in the same way that we criticize these people for behaving irrational as we talk about these shootings. I mean, look at the history of the West, look at the history of um, the behavior of the foreign policy of the, uh, US, uh, of the U.S., and how does it differ from the attitude of we seeing people from time to time uh, maybe doing things irrational in terms of um, it was their understanding. Do we continue to blame the victim, or do we look at the overall society that created conditions? Do we look at the, the issue of what happened when you bully someone? And at some point in time, they once respond back to them being bullied. Are they um, not necessarily the victim in these phenomena? So, panelists, I think I've said enough. I'll start with you, Brother Haki. I'd like for you to weigh in. On my narrative that just came, who is really to blame and what can we learn from this? Let's make this into a teachable moment. Brother Haki, talk to me. Yeah, well, yeah, Brother Africa, um, you're absolutely correct. Uh, see, one of the things that the the, the, the uh, system maintenance men are very good at is to keep people away you know, from understanding the impact of institutions on the way people behave. In fact, we were on our way to discovering that relationship, you know, back in the 80s when Reagan came into power, and which Sister Eleanor alluded to earlier, in which the Fairness Doctrine was eliminated. So, therefore, we, they, 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 the people in positions of power stopped telling, teaching us about the relationship between how institutions operate and the impact they have on people. And so then that, that way, therefore, it opened the door for us to believe that when, we, when, when, when bad acts occur, it's simply bad individuals. And that's precisely what they want us to believe. They don't want us to understand the, the correlation between the institutions and their impact on people. In the context of U.S. institutions, when you talk about the kind of ruthlessness, a kind of selfishness, and the kind of materialism that's so rampant in the system, and, and, which is manifesting in institutions, then to, to think that somehow that those same kind of values doesn't impact human beings is, 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 would be a fallacious argument. Of course, you know, when we talk about in terms of, in the context of materialism, when we talk about in terms of defining oneself based upon material possessions, uh, what happens in a situation where you don't have access to things? You don't even have access to a job, or you don't have access to a house or an apartment. You don't have access to anything. So you you merely exist. And so in the context of in the context of people growing up in American society, in their minds, subconsciously, even consciously, sometimes the the the, uh, the fact that you don't have access to those things means that you quote unquote are nobody. If you quote unquote nobody, your life has no real meaning. If you have life has no real meaning, other people's lives have no real meaning. 
And so there's a great deal to displace that anger. So, you know, the anger that exists in you, but, you know, is expressed toward other people. In that context, we see these killings going on, and, you know, people are just people that are within. But, of course, we're not allowed in the context of America to have those kind of discussions in terms of how these institutions impact the way people behave. And if we don't have those discussions in terms of how these institutions impact the way people behave, we'll continue to have these, 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 these killings, uh, you know. Uh, but here's the problem, Brother Africa. These killings, uh, these killings uh, are, are, are infrequent now. But these, as time goes on, these killings have become more and more prevalent. More importantly, they become larger in scope. And this is the thing we understand in terms of the role of the government. When we talk about in terms of the, the, the bottom line, that capitalism cannot employ people. Capitalism cannot uh, create, give people decent wages. Capitalism cannot create affordable housing for people. It could if it really wanted to, but it's not organized to do that. In that context, it means that this growing number of people, you know, who don't have any hope, who don't have access uh, 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 to a, a decent future, it means that this anger that they have has to be displaced. It has to be taken. Take, it has to be taken out on somebody. Well, the better line is that what the government has been conveniently doing, very genu- ingeniously doing, is that it's propping up these 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 fascist elements in society to use them at a later point to attack the population, particularly those who oppose the inequality in American society. So the violence that we see now, even though it's sporadic, we can anticipate that level of violence actually increasing, and it's become organized in part because the institutions of America and throughout the Western world demand, you know, violence. They demand it. It's part of a strategy. This is what I think is very difficult for people to understand. They say, well, why would anybody sit down and strategize, you know, about doing such a thing? Well, the problem is that when you talk about systems, you talk about longevity in terms of the desire to, to go on and on and on, all systems have that, have that value have that value. And if they want to go on and on and on, then if, the, if you don't have another way to go on and on and on, providing you can't give people what they need, then the only other recourse is to create a scenario in which these same people in which you, are, you see as problematic have to be eliminated. What better way to eliminate people than to, to elevate fascist elements in the community, finance them, give them legitimacy, train them, allow them to train to carry out you know, uh, assassinations throughout the country? It's in the interest of the government, and this is what people don't understand. If they see these these violence, they see it as 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 as, as unique. They don't see it. They don't see the correlation between systems, uh, particularly particularly uh, financial systems, in order to see the in order to see governmental systems in terms of playing a role in terms of facilitating all this violence. Whether we're talking about on a local level or we talk about on a mass level, this is the very this is the perilous situation we confront in society. If we don't fundamentally understand that. If we're not organized to the point that the, 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 the destruction or the, or, or the killing is done on a mass scale, then the bottom line is that we still have to pay the price for our own inaction because we're unorganized. We didn't heed the warnings when the, when the writing was on the wall. So clearly, Brother Africa, you're absolutely correct. Institutions, the, that's why it's such a contrast between places like, like Cuba and America. When you look at the way that people behave, the way they think, the way they act, it's totally different. There's a reason why they do that. The people reflect the institutions in which they come up under. And so the context of America, ruthlessness, individualism, uh, uh, apathy, uh, you know, lack of compassion, hatred, all those things are very much encoded into institutions in American society. So clearly the masses of people internalize those values and they act out. And it's that simple, Brother Africa, and I close with that. Thank you, Brother Haki. Brother Anthony, people are a reflection of the society they live in. Talk to me. Who are the victims? The ones who 
are influenced by the values that are perpetuated in society and the behaviors that uh, are not condoned. That are not condoned in society when you come to doing things against human development, or is it that the society in general and institutions that create these possibilities to make individual behavior think in the manner that they do? Talk to me. We know you you have a valid point, Brother Africa, because two of the mass shootings I'm thinking of took place at college campuses. Granted, they were entirely different campuses, one at the University of Idaho and another at the University of Virginia. Uh, two very different campuses and located in different parts of the country, but I think, uh, but I, 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 I think your point is valid. That is the institutions, the insta, uh, the institution of society that encourage this kind of behavior. And uh, and as uh, Haki correctly pointed out. It's going to get worse. Uh, I don't see uh, people organizing themselves quickly enough uh, to bring a resolution to this situation. And it's the values that are taught by capitalism. And uh, I think uh, the people, the conditions that people have to work under, they're becoming more alienated from their labor. And, uh, the, 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 uh, you know, uh, a lot of this job frustration, the ease with which is, uh, it's, uh, it, it's easy to obtain firearms in this country, I think those are the biggest factors behind the level of violence that we're seeing. Uh, In some cases, it's easier to get a gun than it is to get a pet, of all things. And, uh, you know, and uh, also the conditions. I think people are becoming more alienated from their labor, and they don't have any way of uh, of taking out their frustrations of their working conditions. And Anthony, remember the NRA tell everybody that guns don't kill, people kill, and folks still have a bigger argument against that craziness. Guns don't kill, people kill. So, um, what can you say, Anthony? What can you say? Uh, actually, uh, uh, people kill, but, it, uh, but, uh, but the fact that guns are so easy to obtain in this society, uh, it is a factor. Now, I'm not saying that, uh, uh, li- eliminating the, the ease with which people obtain guns is going to solve the problem. I think getting to the root of the problem that people feel that they have to resort to the final solution. Uh, you know, I think is key. And uh and also uh ending capitalism ultimately. Uh 
because these things uh, do not go on in countries that are trying to build socialist societies. Uh, stop right there, Brother Anthony. We go to Sister Eleanor. We'd like to get her thoughts. Sister Eleanor, where you weigh in on this discussion? Uh, well, don't blame the victims. Should we be looking somewhere else in terms of the cause of why people are behaving the way they behave? Because remember, I people are not born criminals. People do not just kill, just be killing. There are reasons for this. So um, let's let's critique this a little more closely. Because I'm really surprised we don't have more mass killing in this um this type of society under capitalism. So Eleanor, your take. Well, we do have more killings. We are leading the world in mass killings. You saw what just happened down in Chesapeake this week also, where a worker called a, quote, assistant manager uh, wiped out several of his colleagues and himself. There's a reality that people, as uh, the other panelists mentioned, are uh, they're disassociating uh, they're not able to really socialize and interact with each other, you know, <clears throat> and they see uh, it as um, the fault of, uh, the, rather than seeing the uh, corporate and the imperialism and the impact it has, we are competing against each other. So you'll have a low-wage worker who's fortunate enough to own a home or something and versus a low-wage worker who owns no home and is forced to live on food stamps, as I often say, and subsidies. They are angered, and they are the workers who people would less likely socialize with. Remember, the way the top thinks is the way the bottom thinks. So the the working class tends to be rather elitist, too. They, they, those who have like to look down on those who do not have. We have a problem with childhood hunger. We have a problem with elderly abuse. As Africans and descendants of Africans, we have a problem with domestic violence that goes on every day. We are failing to expose that violence against women and others. So you see women being burned in their home by their spouses on their jobs. Murder is the main thing on the news. We don't hear about what's going on in the Ukraine. We don't hear about the Republic of the Congo and Joy City and those people, what they're doing after this great atrocity. We're not exposed to the sanctions the U.S. imposed against Uganda for mining its gold and not selling it to whom they thought it should. Instead, we hear about mass killings every day. So Ohio, Charlottesville, Chesapeake, Virginia, and I heard of a few others. This is a very common practice. It started with Sandy Hook, and uh, it's just been a it – it didn't really start with Sandy Hook. But with the death of those children and people just accepting it as 
uh, uh, social phenomena. That's what started when we began to think that it's just society when it is, in fact, not. It's social media and the role it plays and social isolation that happens when the working class are impoverished and and economically devastated. Economic devastation lends itself to social isolation. And um, one of the things that, that the hip-hop movement with the capital H-I-P and hyphen capital H-O-P focuses on, you know, we have to learn spiritually how to live with less. It's how intellectual and strong we are without than rather than what we have. You know, Dick Gregory said in Malcolm X Park in Washington, D.C., camping out because he knew that crap was introduced into the community by the CIA to undermine the African community. That's what he told everyone. And people were dying in the crack movement. I myself actually changed uh, took a, a action from the book of Numbers in the Bible and changed my hair to dreadlocks because hundreds of people were dying in the District of Columbia. No one was being arrested, and no one saw it as a problem. We look today at um, our nation's capital, at the capital of the United States, Blacks who were a majority, it was called a city, is now Vanilla Villa, and the black youth are killing each other. And we think that it's a social problem. Well, it is. It's a lack of home ownership. It's a lack of education. It's a lack of environmental justice. It's a lack of health care. It's sexism, homophobia, xenophobia. It's elitism. You know, we can just go down the list, Brother Africa, and people are living on their computers, getting this backwards news from these backwards organizations. And now this is a strange time in the world in that we're also not only fighting imperialism, but we now are fighting fascism. In Brazil, here in the United States, Donald Trump, a fascist, was elected. He legitimized the QAnon. We have congressmen like uh, the Republican congressman uh, Adam Kinzinger that voted with Trump 90% of the time supporting fascist groups that work like ISIS in the Ukraine, and uh, we have a bunch of trolls on the Internet backing these groups, and they admit they take no political prisoners, for example, that, that, that uh, uh, they're the new breed of, of Ukraine fascists, uh, activists on a social media. So this social media the the Georgian League has gone beyond Telegram and raised, risen to, uh, I guess, mainstream appeal through 
clever internet users. 30 seconds, and this Lord, internet 30 seconds. Creating an army of trolls, brother. And we really need to organize and we need to be um, looking at new alternative media, whether it's, um, uh, quite frankly, whether it's Eugene Pierre's Breakthrough News or it's Code Pink or Transcontinental. And we need to realize that our media, whether it's CNN or the New York Times, is aware of certain news and has legitimized it, this fascist. Environment that we're in, but they ignore it. So really, the reality is, as long as it, these, there's no internet control, that the internet is policing itself, we're going to continue to see these problems. But more importantly, as long as there is this type of economic repression. We are all slaves now. New people have joined that, uh, the Africans as slaves. We got white slaves. We got slaves of every nationality and ethnicity in America. As long as people are oppressed, as long as people are hungry, as long as people are suffering, and as long as we keep telling them it's Thank their you, problem. Thank you, Sister hold yeah. you right there. Yeah, Brother Moses, a chance to speak. Brother Moses, talk to us. We recognize very clearly capitalism means slavery. Brother Moses, your thoughts? Well, capitalism means slavery, exactly wage slavery as this this predominant weapon now. And so, you know, the alienation comes from uh, the fact that we're we're, we're not um, nurturing and um, developing our mental capacities and our uh, physical and, and, and mental capacities to do things, um, to be productive. And, and this alienation um, uh, creeps in. And um, if you don't have a psychiatrist or some friends and different ways of letting out off your, your steam, um, you might get into a depression and get into a, some kind of um, I don't know possession, a demonic possession, or something. I don't know what to call it. Uh, uh, where you want to kill people, and um, I, it's one thing to want to kill yourself. That's bad enough. But then to want to just kill other people too, before you kill yourself. That's that's. I I don't I don't get it, but. Uh, Somehow the mind gets warped and the thinking is that that's what needs to be done. And so, you know, society has a way of alienating you, this capitalist system. Um, um, and we need to politicize everyone in, 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 this, in this country uh, to raise their political consciousness, to recognize where the, the oppression is coming from and who the enemy is. And that's the problem. And on, and that, on that note, on that note, yes, Brother Moses, on that note, you raised a fundamental question that I'm going to make the transition to Brother Haki around the question of people need to know who the enemy is. How do we see and identify the enemy? Now, making that statement, Brother Haki, I'd like to get you to respond to uh, this, this, this hysterical about 
talk about the mass shootings and killings that we see in this in this country and throughout the world. One of the things we, we, we fail to forget, Brother Hackey, is if killing is bad, there are all kinds of different forms of killing that the state approve and carry out, that politicians plan and carry out, the institutions plan and carry out, but you don't get the same response. What's a better way of killing a human being is denying them the right to work? If you look at corporate Brother America, they, if you look at corporate America, Brother Hockey, hold on one second, let me finish this point, then you can come in. If you look at corporate America, Brother Hockey, you'll find out that that's a a high tendency that the owner of these companies would deliberately seem to wait at a time of the year when they push materialism, push to have things, push to buy things, Christmas, and they'll choose that time to file large scales of their employees just so they can make a little bit more money. But if a man can't work, that's another form of death, Brother Haki. Your response. Talk to me. Yeah, you you're absolutely correct, brother Africa. It is it it, it you know um, the the manner in which you know the state goes about killing exists in a myriad of ways. And uh, one of the things we often associate you know death with uh, you know simple act act of someone shooting someone or someone stabbing someone and so forth. But we don't understand it in terms of the generic sense when we talk about actually killing people. Nobody does a better job of killing than the state. And this propensity to kill is actually uh, is actually encoded in capitalism. It starts from the assumption that certain lives have no real value. Well, once the system has to operate from the position that certain lives have no value, then what you do to those individuals becomes inconsequential. It's not really important what, what happens to them. So if you create a system where you did, this, the same individuals don't have access to health care, the same in, 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 individuals don't have access to quality education, these same individuals don't have access to affordable housing. These same individuals don't have access uh, to um, uh, to food to eat. Well, when you do that, in, in, in what you're actually doing, you're actually killing the person, but you're doing it on a much slower level. Now, if we bring into this question in terms of you know, the role viruses play in terms of disseminating violence or, or death, uh, we can't discount the fact that when we talk about COVID-19 and talk about you know the release of COVID-19 in the populace with the express intent, to eliminate large number of the population is killing, pure and simple. We in America, I think we have a very, most of us have a very difficult time understanding that this is one of the most destructive, deadly systems known to human beings, and we have a very difficult time understanding that. And so when we, so we see the killing, we, send the, we tend to rationalize the killing as long as the government does it. Uh, but when it comes to, uh, when it comes to you know, poor people killing each other out of frustration, as Sister Eleanor alluded to, uh, we somehow blame them as somehow evil, de- demonic, or whatever. And we don't understand the correlation between institutions and the way it affects the way people think. But more importantly, Brother Africa, when you talk about violence, you talk about large-term incarcer- you know, incarcerating large number of people uh, to the point where you, you subject them not only to all kinds of bacteria and germs, but you subject them to an environment in which they have to kill in a lot of times in order to survive. And everyone knows that. And, and the bottom line is that given this reality, you would think there would certainly be a response from people who are conscientious in terms of the, in terms of political leadership, to say this kind of practice is unacceptable, we must have find some alternative to this mass incarceration, knowing the kind of violence and destruction uh, that, that that results from it. But it doesn't happen because we're conditioned to believe that as long as certain people die, then it's okay. It's only when when wealthy people suffer or die or killed, then it becomes an issue. 
as long as poor people kill each other, oh, well, it's just c'est la vie. Uh, what will be will be. It's no problem. So we have to understand, you're absolutely correct, Brother Africa, uh, and it all starts from a capitalist system that says that certain lives are expendable. And we have to understand that we're expendable. And the question in terms of spirituality, I think, listen, people might dismiss that in terms of the political world, but in terms of spirituality, in terms of being able to deal with this stuff and not kill yourself or end up killing somebody else, it's important to understand that who you are as an individual is not defined by how big your house is, how big your car is, how much money you make, what kind of job you got. That stuff doesn't find you who you are as a human being. And the spirituality makes you prove that you are somebody because you're part of this creation. So therefore, it makes you somebody. So no matter what they do to you, you still got you still got your dignity. And that's important. But I know for the capitalist mind, they say, fuck a dignity. I only care about cash money. And, and, and of course, they got a lot of that young people running around talking about, you know, I'm, I'm all about the cash. You know, I'm all about the money. They have everything, everything else. Precisely what they want you to think. And in, in incorporating that mindset in terms of all about the cash, then you want to do any and everything, including killing, to obtain that cash. So the question of spirituality does become important in terms of confronting, in terms of dealing with this insanity. It doesn't negate the, the pragmatic response, a pragmatic response among people in terms of understanding the, the political reality and preparing yourself for that political reality. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, it's, listen, all you have to do is believe and it's all good. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that it's important in terms of in developing that consciousness, but at the same token, understand there's a very real world in which you live in, which you have to contend in. In order to live your life, sometimes you have to take a position in which you ordinarily wouldn't do, but you do it out of self-preservation. And it's important we understand that point. But you're absolutely correct, Brother Africa. You know, uh, the bottom line, capitalism kills all the time. It has no respect for life, particularly poor life. And if poor people don't have respect for their lives, then, we, of course, the consequences we see these mass, these, these killings that are happening all, all over the country. Uh, so clearly, Brother Africa, uh, we have to understand the correlation between the institutions of society and, and killing in the society. Thank you, Brother Hockey. And Brother Anthony, I'd like for you just to respond to, again, we're talking about um, trying to get sympathy and talk about who are the real criminals when we talk about these mass shootings and killings. How can we be so sympathetic towards people who might have died through a so-called shooting by an individual, two, three, four people, versus what about the large number of people that died from policies such as a blockade? Look at the U.S. blockade against damn near half of the world, how it's killing people, denying people the right to have surgery so they can take care of certain illness. But watch the surgeries, they die. Look at this whole question of blockade and just to deny people to make it difficult so they can have access to food. Was it in Cuba, Venezuela, Iran, what have you? So when we talk about this mass killing, um, where's the sympathy when it comes to this? I keep asking myself, when someone votes, who and what are they voting for? Because these are the same people who go into these offices and carry out these policies and support these policies. Are they too not mass killers, Brother Anthony? Talk to me, Brother Anthony. For general, sometimes it makes me wonder how it keeps going under. Talk to me, Brother Anthony. They are, they are, uh, 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 they are indeed a part of the problem. And uh, and uh, if you notice the trend with these mass killings, both 
uh, both the uh, uh, the perpetrators and the victims tend to be, uh, uh, be, uh, belong to the working class of the U.S. society. You notice you do not have these mass killings among the millionaires and billionaires of this society. And uh, and if it were to occur, uh, there would be all kinds of calls for gun control, uh, just as there were during... Uh, during the 60s uh, uh, when the Black Panthers uh, 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 started arming themselves. So it it is very much dependent upon who the victims are. And uh, the victims are, for the most part, from the poor and working class of society. And uh, and that's why uh, you know no solution is uh, is developed to deal with it. And uh, you know and one uh, of and one of the patterns I noticed with these mass shootings that as they're called is that the victims are all members of the working class for the most part. Uh, that sector uh, that uh, that that society doesn't give a damn about, and that is w- one of the reasons why it is important for the uh, for the workers uh, to belong to a political organization that is guided by revolutionary ideology. Because only a revolutionary ideology can uh, teach us how to counter uh, the propaganda push forth, put forth by capitalism. Thank you, Brother Anthony. And panelists, I want everybody to win, and please deliver your response to about two minutes. Uh, we're going to prepare for our transition for the night. And we will continue the discussion as part three because we didn't get to some of our important articles tonight, but we will do a third part. But I want each one of y'all to weigh in and um, share with the listening audience maybe y'all response a solution to this phenomenon. When we look at some of the mass killings in the U.S. and the people are reflecting their behavior based upon, we said earlier, the type of society that they are raised under. Now, in this killing, this mass killing in the University of Virginia, uh, the shootings of these those three athletes, and the brother was an athlete too, the other young brother, who actually did the shooting. All of them were victims. I said all of them were victims. And one of the issues that came from this particular shooting, from my understanding, is that they said the brother who did the shooting felt like he, he would be bullying. They were bullying him. Now, we know that maybe this would have been a good occasion to talk about, highlight the importance of not to bully people, not to arrest people, because people have different kinds of responses. Well, I think one of the reasons why this has not been discussed adequately is because 
how you discuss something when you are, you are you are you incriminate yourself? America is the biggest bully in the world. Now, how do you deal with this issue if you are being bullied? How do you stop a bully? How do you deal with this issue? Start with you, Brother Anthony, first. You know your response. Um, I thought I think it 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 has to start uh at home with the family, so to speak. And uh, you know, we have to teach our youth uh tolerance of uh human differences. And that is something that is not often taught. It's often left up to the school system. So if the school system doesn't uh doesn't have programs to deal with that sort of thing, then it might not be dealt with at all. And uh it could have uh you know uh uh dire consequences. And uh you know and uh you know it's uh is a very difficult situation. But uh just like uh you know uh you know uh you learn how to treat people properly uh from the family, uh the lessons in terms of tolerating people with different outlooks or behaviors from you that has to start with the family as well. Okay, we heard your response to this question, Bully. Brother Hockey, your response. Yeah, well, I, I think we have to start from the premise that we t- bullying is a function of insecurity. I think to the extent that the, the need to dominate others flows from that insecurity. And one of the unusual things, or certainly one of the things that's very prevalent in American society, is that there's a certain amount of uh, there's a certain amount of insecurity that's facilitated by the system. Like I said earlier. When we equate materialism with your well-being, when you equate materialism in terms of who you are as a human being, then lacking the material things, then certainly it facilitates a, a, a tremendous amount of insecurity. And with that insecurity, uh, it, you know, the, the problem is that you know you can you can continue to talk to people and try to sensitize them, you know, to the to the problem in terms of bullying people. But the problem is that if the person is insecure, no matter what you talk to them, no matter what you say to them. The insecurity is going to manifest itself, and that's just the bottom line. And so you have kids who go to school who maybe from a uh, you know from poor families, and uh, they don't have the latest uh, of clothing on. Uh, maybe their 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 clothing is tattered. Uh, of course, if we had a society which taught the respect for, for respect for human beings across the board, then their attire wouldn't be an issue. But the reality is that you know, in America, when you talk about uh, your attire reflecting who you are as a human being, someone who's insecure. See someone who doesn't have a so-called proper attire, then uses the opportunity to liberate that individual, put that individual down to sort of reaffirm that they are in fact somebody. So that's so the question of bullying is very, very complex. But it's very interesting that you raise the question, Brother Africa, in terms of the U.S. 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 government in terms of bullying. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that Jamil Alamini used, uh, used to, iconic statement from Jamil Alamini, he talked about violence is American as cherry pie, and it's very, it's very, very true. And when you talk about, you know, the, the, the violence in terms of, you know, being committed around the world, uh, one of the biggest reasons why there's so much hatred toward America is because people see, essentially see America as a bully. 
And, and, and of course, being a bully, people conspire in all kinds of ways in terms of bringing them down. And so a lot of the pushback that you see over nations around the world is the direct result of nations around the world seeing, Af- uh, uh, seeing America as a bully. And America is a bully. Uh, and when you talk about the, 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 the tens of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars, trillions of dollars of expenditures for the sole purposes of killing some of the poorest people in the world and bullying them and taking their resources and killing political leadership to install corrupt puppets, when you talk about that, killing on that level, uh, clearly, you know, that kind, that, that, that kind of bullying, that kind of bullying is, you know, is, is bound, to be, uh, bound to be noticed. And so I think, you know, it, it, again, the question of insecurity is also apropos when it comes to, in terms of how the U.S. behaves. Uh, one thing, we look at the history of the United States in terms of the, 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 the slamming history, the history, this bogus history is also presented in terms of the, 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 or the evolution of American society. Most of it is bogus. It's not even real. It's, not even, it's concocted history in which they created to make people feel good. But in these, but beneath all of that, people study, people read, people research, and they realize a lot of things that they uh, have learned about America is, is BS. They know it's not true, and they know through their own studies that it's not true. And that kind of insecurity they they carry with them. So they know even though on one on one level they've been told America is great, on another level, based upon studies and research, they know that all this stuff is not true, which is which impacts their self esteem or impacts their ego. And so, therefore, that kind of insecurity, the ability to, to, to manifest itself in terms of wars all over the place, is indicative of someone who's insecure, who wants to say to the world, I am somebody, I am somebody, trust me, I'm somebody. And how do you get people to acknowledge you somebody? By killing them, by bullying them. So the question of insecurity is key in terms of any insecurity. Uh, but I agree with Brother Anthony. I think it's something that uh, has to be discussed with children over and over and over again to the extent that it's going to have some impact. It's not going to have, I don't think it's going to have total impact. But I think may have some impact. Certainly, if they get older, they begin to intellectualize them and understand that that's simply is simply unacceptable. But as kids, you know, five, six, seven, eight years of age, five to ten years of age, and trying to get them to understand the the the, the coarseness of actually, you know, bullying folks or the wrongness of bullying folks, uh, sometimes, you know, given that they're so young and they're absorbing so much information, we say to them that it's okay to put other people down. Uh, they don't understand the question in terms of insecurity. They just come and come from a society which says that it's okay to put other people down. It's okay to bully other people. Indeed, when you look at the United States government and see, look at what the U.S. does around the world, they say, hey, it's okay to bully. So they're not in a position to actually inter- intellectualize in terms of, you know, why bullying is wrong. But clearly, you know, Brother Africa, the question in terms of insecurity is key to be addressed. But one of the things, the problem, I think, is that when you talk about insecurity, you can't divorce it from capitalism. As long as capitalism exists, insecurity will always reign. So the bottom line is that, you know, unless you're going to get rid of capitalism, you're always going to have deep insecurity, which which is in itself the catalyst for a lot of these problems that we're talking about. And you know that we're placing time for everything, different strokes for different folks. And one of the things my physics class taught me that only force gets by force. So there's a time and place for everything. And given the fact I say that, Brother Moses, how do we deal with this issue of bullying? How do you stop a bully? I think uh, Haki and Anthony uh, both uh, complement each other on their uh, analysis. Um, I think definitely um, the insecurity is there. Um, 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 We have to train up the children um, in the way they should go from and uh, you know that's that's um, 
that's just basic. I mean, if you you shouldn't be having children if you're not willing to put in the effort and time to keep them from becoming just another drone in this capitalist society. I mean, I mean anybody can create a drone, uh, uh, but we have to but educate our children. Children learn by not what you're necessarily saying, but what they see and what you do. They look at you, look at your example. Right. Right. And um, I don't know. This it's, it's you know it's, it's a it's tight, but it's right. There's, it's a, it's, there's a there's a way to uh, live life, and um, a lot of people have a hard time finding how, how to correctly live. And uh, bullying is bullying is 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 an incorrect path. Uh, um, uh, the insecurity, uh, what what makes them insecure, what they're concerned about, what they, what they feel they're lacking. I know it could vary from person to person, but uh, I'm pretty sure there's some kind of need to uh, dominate. Uh, yeah. So uh, anyway, I'll leave it right there. I'm, I'm, I'm not an expert on this issue anyway. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. And last but not least, Sister Eleanor, can you give me two minutes of your response? How do you deal with being a bully? Well, I think um, bullying is um, is a phenomenon that's occurring through social media. The poor and working class now use their computers as babysitters. And one of the things that the state did during the pandemic was give all children tablets. The children around the the U.S. are on tablets, and people say and do things on the Internet that they would dare not do, say, or act in person. And the reality is, is that we are all responsible for children, but too often in our community, I have found adults, even senior citizens, who will say, well, if I didn't do it with them, somebody else would, and we are all shirking responsibility. The reality is is that we have a duty to serve our community, whether it's forming Community, community committees to take children to playgrounds that live in tight urban conditions. Because remember, these children that are, quote, being bullied, you have to look at the economic uh, environment or the social or environment, their environment. They're living in small quarters. They often live in uh, apartments with little space for recreation. We saw that during the pandemic uh, in African communities around the country, the police were arresting, uh, charging, and uh, people were being convicted of petty crimes, further uh, putting a, a building, the industrial prison complex. And we have a whole social phenomena that we've taught people that, if you are weak or if you are kind, if you are helpful, if you are gentle, if you are respectful, 
that these qualities are a form of weakness. This is the social situation we're in. Uh, For example, uh, at the recent George Bush conference in Dallas, you saw that uh, Bush uh, was sitting up talking about, it was a brainwashing event. So brainwashing is a part of it. And it's not psychiatrists that we need. We need, as Brother Anthony and Brother Haki and all of the analysts often talk about, we need to educate and reorganize. People aren't literally going mad. They are following social trends that are being supported through the media. Twitter had an incredible impact on the virus and how people responded to the virus. Um, We see autocrats around the world. Now you see people like George W. Bush discussing and calling, for example, Russia an autocrat that he claims is using misinformation to ignite protests in Chile. So uh, we also heard uh, the head of the International Republican Institute, Dan Tweeting, ridiculously compared Bush's meeting to uh, Hitler's silent meeting uh, while the former Secretary of State for Global Action was accusing Russia, as I said, of these outrageous things. So the media is playing such a, a role in this, and people are literally being manipulated. Poverty is an incredible thing. We are blessed that we have meals. People go to bed hungry. They don't discuss it with anyone. People uh, have friends that walk amongst them that see them suffering, and they don't offer their help. And as Sister Sharon Brown on the show mentioned last week, Brother Africa, we have to be careful who we consider friends. Are they asking how you're doing or are they just asking because they know how poorly you're doing and they are pointing fingers? So, you know, we have to um, um, embrace the children. We have to not only uh, make their parents or their mothers the sole responsibility for their care, but we need to have the community be involved and less state control less state uh, manipulation. I'm not talking about that crap that Governor Youngkin is talking about. There is no race theory taught in elementary schools. People were ignorant. They didn't know that children in elementary schools didn't learn history because their cognitive development isn't there. When you see 11-year-olds and 9-year-olds committing suicide, they're the blind deaf right now in this country. It's the media. It's a failure for people to take the time to learn a few children's books and read them to the children. It's a failure uh, for us to socially interact as a community uh, uh, ourselves. That means myself. That means Brother Moses. That means all of us. For example, we have a responsibility, and we must accept that responsibility and stand up 
we can't keep pointing fingers and and being concerned about our image. We have to instead think about our communities and know that we're if we are human rights activists, if we are environmental activists, everything we do every day reflects that. We have to teach everyone to respect Mother Earth, creature, plant, animal on the planet. And we, this is how you combat bullyism, because bullyism is just something, again, children alone in their room or even in the room with you, but you're not talking to them and they're quiet on their government-issued tablets. So, you know, we really, this, this, this mass murder is deep. You know, it's, it's, it's a daily community uh, activity in the African community. We have children killing themselves. And we have people in the media that are manipulating folks. They know how, and it's fun for them, and it's creating a bleeding ground for the working class. Because after all, we live in a surplus labor economy, and a surplus labor economy means some of us need to go. I think that when we see people like Bolsonaro in the world court, um, because of the way he handled the virus in Brazil, we need to remember that the U.S. isn't there because we're exempt. And we're exempt from the U.N., certain actions before the U.N. and other, uh, other world organizations, and uh, we need to look here at home and speak up and educate ourselves and each other and really work to form a new political party and to remind our children that you are our future leaders. I will walk you to the playground. While you're swinging today in 2022 at 10 years old, In 10 more years, you will be a 20-year-old man. We need to understand the impact the prison industrial complex has had on children and that the U.S. imprisons children and that it is imperialism that is the bully, bullying us through the social media. I believe it's having an incredibly harmful impact on us as citizens of the world. Thank you, Sister Eleanor, and our panelists and our participants, and, of course, our listening audience for joining us today as we discuss part two with the theme, News You Can Use Some More. We're going to take a break, and we'll come back. We're going to make some house announcement. Now, each one of y'all give us your final thoughts. This is Africa on the move. Don't run. 
We welcome you back to Africa on the Moon, and don't tell nobody in Tanzania that apartheid is dead. It's bad in the U.S. and throughout the world. It's still continuing in a different form. Well, today is again the 27th of November, 2022. This is part two of, of a three-part series, News You Can Use and More. We hope today we try to bring to you some information that you can use as a tool for liberation. What we're going to do right now is to ask our political panelists and analysts to share with us any kind of announcements they would like to make and share with our listening audience. We start off with Brother Haki again, informing our listeners and supporters to come and join us in association with the African Wedding Association as they take their free to ride travel challenge to Cuba from January 23rd to the 30th. For more information, if you're interested in coming, you can email African Wedding Association at African Awareness Association 2 at gmail.com or email the station, Africa on the Move 2 at gmail. And we'd be more than happy to help facilitate you're traveling with us as we take this important trip to Cuba. So right now we're going to bring in Brother Haki from the African Wedding Association. He's going to speak a few minutes about the importance of Cuba and why they are organizing the tour. Brother Haki, the mic is yours. Yes. Um, yes. We, we encourage people to go to Cuba to see for themselves firsthand, you know, what Cuba's really all about. Um, and one of the things, you know, I think there's an old saying, seeing is believing. So you need to go for, for yourself and see for yourself, you know, how Cuba's organized, the impact of the institutions on its people. And then to take that information, that knowledge, and bring it back to your communities in terms of sharing it with, with people in your community in hopes of facilitating some type of organization in your community, which is so vital in the face of all these very um, horrendous changes that are taking place, you know, in the society. Uh, one thing, you know, when we talk about the, the role of institutions, I always tell people I'm always encouraged, uh, certainly um, uh, in, uh, enthralled with uh, this whole uh, community of defense of the revolution uh, apparatus that exists in Cuba. We talk about community organizers, community groups, uh, community people actually engage, you know, the political process of the country. And, and there's a thing of beauty in terms of, you know, being able, you know, to uh, actually you know, uh, articulate, not only be aware in terms of what the issues are, but to actually be able to articulate a, res, you know, a response to whatever you perceive the problems may be. And I think that kind of organization we desperately need in the African community here in America, because the thing is that, you know, we're, we're so used to feel like uh, others are, you know, uh, responsible for, you know, our, our, you know, for our conditions. The bottom line is that we are, we should be responsible for our conditions in that context. We have to be the ones who take the leadership in terms of trying to bring about fundamental changes that impact our community. No political leaders going to do that. Uh, no institution is going to do that. It's going to take the people themselves in the community working in concert to bring about the real kind of changes that we, we seek and kind of changes that we really need. And of course, you know, uh, going to Cuba, you know, uh, you know, um, you know, and getting an opportunity to talk to the people. I mean, I, I think I'm always impressed in terms of the level of awareness in terms of Cuba. Uh, these are international people, and the fact that they understand what's going on throughout the world, I mean, speaks volumes in terms of uh, the educational system, uh, certainly one of the best education systems in the world. And despite U.S. blockade and despite the criminality U.S. 
uh, actions against the Cuban nation, uh, Cubans still thrive. And so that in itself is something that says much about in terms of the, the tenacity, uh, the, the principles uh, of a Cuban society. And so we encourage people to go first and to themselves. And we're sure once you get there, you'll learn a lot, and hopefully you'll bring it back to the community in terms of trying to establish some of those organizations in the community to fight for those kind of uh, changes that we so desperately need in a society. Thank you, Brother Haki. We now will go to Brother Anthony, organizer for the All African Peoples Revolutionary Party, GC. Talk a little bit about the organization and if there are any upcoming events or anything that you would like to share with our listening audience. Brother Anthony. Certainly. Uh, let's see. Uh, you can find out more about the All African Peoples Revolutionary Party, GC, by visiting our website, www.a-aprp-gc.org, and uh, where you can find out more about our political program, which is to build the AAPRP-GC, and about our ideology in chromism terrorism. Uh, which uh, we believe is the correct ideology for the African Revolution, and also we have uh, we're also having a program commemorating uh, Ahmed Secretary's birthday uh, in February. So please visit our website. Uh, on a regular basis to find out more information about that. And uh, you can find out also about uh, our history, Uh, the Africans that influenced us in terms of our ideological development, and also uh, some very useful reading material about the African Revolution. So please check out our website at www.a-aprp-gc.org. Thanks. Thank you, Brother Anthony. We now go to Brother Moses, a dear sister Eleanor, who works with and members of the D.C. Metro Coalition in defense of the Cuban Revolution. Brother Moses, Yes, well, right now we're in the process of regrouping after the caravan, uh, um, and um, the main thing is to figure out how we can do some kind of politicization of of the community about Cuba and and Cuba's situation uh, in terms of the embargo, et cetera, and to get people to to, uh, get on the correct side of the issue. And uh, we should, so we'll have some kind of um, uh, social event, but it's just a question of when at this point and how where we can we can get. Um, and so we'll be announcing that when we have when something's concretely available. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. You like to add anything, Sister Eleanor? No, no. I think, uh, in reference to 
<laughs> the coalition, we're, as Brother uh, Moses said, we're continuing to organize and uh, trying to um, educate people on the embargo and the impact it has had on Cuba as well as Venezuela, Nicaragua, and uh, the world. Um, I'd like to thank you for another great show and also uh, remind uh, people that uh, the biggest thing that we're fighting right now is uh, fascism, authoritarian leaders with short uh, statements that... uh, make us think we're all united. And we are not. Anyone who has a job is a member of the working class. The ruling class earns their, they don't earn wages. They uh, take your wages and rule the world. But authoritarian leaders not only rule the world, They have no problem with uh, addressing the issue of climate warming, with population control. We've seen that with this COVID-19 and the scandalous way it was handled in this country and the controversy it created as well as around the world. And that uh, our job now is to not blame each other for the crises that people are facing, but rather to unite with each other, to show love, compassion, and respect, patience, and kindness for others, and to be good Samaritans. And that's what we owe ourselves, we owe our children, and we owe Mother Earth. With that in mind, I'll say good night, Brother Africa, to you and your wonderful panelists and audience here and around the world. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone, and continue to tune in and tell your friends about this fan. Please feel free to call in and participate. It helps show how united we are as working people. And remember, this is a surplus labor economy. It's not a matter of having a job, Brother Africa. It's a matter of getting paid. There are people that work and work and work and, and have done fantastic things in the world, but they're not paid for them. They're not recognized for them. But they had done them and had a tremendous impact on the world. So the issue is not only having a job, but getting paid. Because millions of people in this country have a job, but they cannot afford housing. They cannot afford transportation. (laughs) They cannot afford communication. And they aren't even, we have a digital divide that I failed to mention. So there are millions of people that aren't even on the Internet and don't realize how it's crushing the working class in this nation. I don't know why I take you a step further. It's not necessarily a question about even getting paid. It's a question of how you organize work within the society. 
to produce or change products and services. You know, that's just one form, and that may not be the best form. But your point is noted. So thank you. And next we'll go to Brother Moses. The final thoughts for the night, Brother Moses. Yes, um, it's been a wonderful show. Um, um, I think um, I, um, I'm, I'm going to be reading the Socialist Construction of Better Future for the United States. I'm in Chapter 2 right now talking about socialist government. And um, uh, that's the big thing on my mind right now. Um, uh, I hope that uh, we can bring clarity and patiently explain our positions to to people so that there's so that we can unite, you know, before we can unite in order that we may unite clear lines of demarcation must be drawn and uh, we have to know who our friends and who our enemies are and we're in a struggle with the democratic, socialist and communist parties all united in a front against fascism and that continues throughout throughout this epoch uh, into the new, new democratic society and uh, anyway I thank you. Have a good evening. You do the same, Brother Moses. We thank you as well. Next, we go to Brother Hackey. Your final thoughts, Brother Hackey. Well, let me just reiterate of sort. Uh, I think it's important to note that in the context of capitalism, we talk about a market-based economy. We have to understand it's the market-based economy that make it possible for a few people to enjoy the wealth of the society. When you have people like Bezos who are good for hundreds of billions of dollars, uh, you know, uh, you know, or even trillions of dollars, when you have people that have access to that kind of wealth, it means that the ability of the system uh, to circulate those funds for the embeddement of all is diminished. So, and so when we talk about the market-based economy, then we understand that the focus is not necessarily on the interest of the people, and that's what we have to understand. The focus, the focus on the interests of capital, and because the interest is on capital, those who have the capital are the ones who make the rules. And as a consequence, when we talk about the overwhelming unemployment, the homelessness, the poor wages, and we look at all of those situations, uh, they're, uh, they're part and parcel of the how capital system functions and how it operates. And so understanding the question is, what are we going to do in terms of those core realities? And certainly... In the context of African Union, we talk about those kind of ails. Uh, when you know the social economic, we talk social economically. We talk about lack of housing, lack of access to quality education, lack of affordable housing, food, and all those things that are so important to human beings' uh, 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 survival. When we talk about those things, we're at a disadvantage in the African Union in terms of having access to those things. So we got we got some serious thinking to be done. And no no matter what no matter what we our political ideology is, the bottom line is we have to exist in the context of the capitalist system. And if that system is diametrically opposed to the, to the survival of the interests of African people, then we got a bigger problem. And the question is, what are we going to do? As always, Brother Africa, I encourage people to unravel the matrix because if we don't think more clearly in terms of what's going on in society, the bottom line is that, uh, you know, uh, there's a horrible price to be paid in terms of, you know, understanding the, uh, the, uh, the history of the past and the kind of atrocities that existed as a result of people not being organized and prepared for whatever comes down the road. Having said that, Brother Africa, you have a good night. And you say, Brother Hackey, good night to you. Next, we go to Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, 
Anthony, your final thoughts. Sure. I have one more announcement I forgot to make earlier. You mind if I make it? Yes, Anthony, the mic is yours. No problem. Certainly, certainly. Okay. Uh, One of our friends, uh, Covert Action Magazine, is having a holiday party and fundraiser this Thursday, December 1st. 2022 from 5.30 p.m. to 9.00 p.m. at the People's Forum located at 320 West 37th Street, New York, New York, 1018. And uh, it is a fundraiser, so uh, so uh, there is an admission fee. Uh, you could go to their website, uh, covertactionmagazine.org and uh, find out more about the fundraiser. Uh, This is for all of those members of the audience that are visiting or live in the New York metropolitan area. And also, uh, we've got to politically organize and educate ourselves in order to defeat all manifestations of capitalism that are currently dominating our lives, including capitalism, racism, Zionism, imperialism, etc. Thanks. Thank you, Brother Anthony, as well, and to all our panelists, to all our participants. To our listening audience and friends and supporters, this has been another program of Africa on the Move under the banner of the African Awareness Association. Any views or comments, we encourage you to send them in to us by emailing us at AfricaOnTheMove2 at gmail.com. Until next time, we hope to see you and hear you. Next week, same time, 7 p.m. on the same network, Blogcast. Blog Talk Radio. And remember, without information, you cannot think. And without organization, you cannot think clearly. We encourage you to join the organization that is fighting for the liberation of your people and humanity. If you don't find one that suits your interests, your needs, then you have a responsibility to create one. Remember, organization decides everything. So we look forward to seeing you next week and hearing from you. Next week, as we discuss part three of news you can use and more. This is Africa on the Move. This is Brother Africa saying, let's always strive to go forward, album and backwards, novel. We'll see you next week. Africa is on the move. <laughs>
brother, brother There's far too many of you dying You know we've got to find a way To bring some love in here today Father, Father We don't need to escalate War is not the answer, for only love can conquer hate. You know we've got to find a way to bring some love and kiss here today. Pick it black and pick it fast. Don't punish me with brutality. Talk to me. So you can see No mind your nationality 
changement du Congo. Congolais pour un Congo nouveau, Madame Patricia Lokwa, Seven, Banaya Congo de Liana, Sangana.
Portugal You're in a Milan Dig out me gold In a Milan Digging out me pearls In a Milan Dig out me diamonds We are going fight, 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 fight Yes, the party
no good around the neighborhood. Well, for your information, a lot of my brothers got education. Now check it, you got your Wall Street brother, your blue collar brother. You're down for whatever, chilling on the corner, brother. You're talented brother, and to every one of y'all behind bars, you know that Angel loves you. Oh, 
department. It is the army, the navy. It is the prison system, the courts, and what have you. This is the state. It is a repressive organization. But the state and people, well, you know, you've got to have the police, because if there were no police, look at what you'd be doing to yourselves. You'd be killing each other if there were no police. But the reality is, the police become necessary in human society. You know how we think, organize the hood under our chain banners Red, black, and green instead of gang bandanas FBI spying on us through the radio antennas And I'm hitting cameras in the street like watching society With no respect for the people's right to privacy I'm taking slugs for the cause like Huey P While all you fake niggas try to copy Master P I wanna be free to live, able to have what I need to live Bring the power back to the street where the people live We sick of working for crumbs and filling up the prisons Dying over money and relying on religion for help We do for self like ants in a colony Organize the welcome to a socialist economy A way of life based off the common needs And all my comrades is ready, we just spreading the seed Shout out to black male, live a third of his life in a jail cell Cause the world is controlled by the white male And the people don't never get justice And the women don't never get respected And the problems don't never get solved And the jobs don't never pay enough no more bondage, no more political monsters, no more secret space launches. Government departments started it in the projects, material objects, thousands up in the closets. Could have been invested in the future for my comrades. Battle contacts, primitive weapons out in combat. Many never come back, pretty niggas be running with gas. Rather get shot in their back than fire back. We're tired of that. Corporations hiring blacks. Denying the facts, exploiting us all over the map That's why I write the shit I write in my rap It's documented, I meant it Every day of the week, I live in it, breathe in it It's more than just fucking believing it I'm holding in ones, rolling up my sleeves and shit It's C-Lo for push-ups now, many headed for one conclusion Niggas ain't ready for revolution The average black male, live a third of his life in a jail cell Cause the world is controlled by the white male And the people don't never get justice and the women don't never get respected And the problems don't never get solved And the jobs don't never pay enough So the rent always be late Can you relate? We living in a police state Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. 
Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.